Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. Good evening. It is a very busy night, although, frankly, when is it not a busy night these days? Capping off a day that saw the president all but promised to bomb Syria as he continued to tweet his outrage over the investigation into his campaign and the raid on his personal attorney, Michael Cohen. And it's there we begin with breaking news about what else FBI agents were looking for when they searched the home, the office and the hotel room of Mr. Cohen. It wasn't just information about payments to a former porn star or a magazine company's deal with a Playboy model. It wasn't just allegedly about bank records. It was also communications between Cohen and his client, Donald Trump, about the, that access Hollywood tape that threatened to derail the president's campaign. Now remember, almost immediately after the tape was released, WikiLeaks published the first batch of material damaging to Hillary Clinton. CNN's Jim Acosta has the story, joins us now from the White House. So what are you learning about uh, more about Monday's raid? Yeah, Anderson, we've confirmed that FBI agents who raided the home, office, and hotel of Donald Trump's personal lawyer, uh, Michael Cohen, sought communications that uh, Mr. Trump had with uh, Cohen and others regarding the infamous Access Hollywood tape that you just mentioned uh, that captured the president uh, making lewd remarks about women a month before the election. Uh, now, according to uh, sources familiar with the, the matter, the Warren specific reference to the president is the first direct uh, known mention of the president in a search warrant and appeared in connection uh, with Access Hollywood. Uh, so this is obviously, you know, this is obviously a story that a lot of people thought would not come back to haunt the president, meaning the Access Hollywood tape. But it, it appears to have uh, merged with this Mueller investigation uh, in ways that the White House is not very happy about. Do we know why they would have been interested in this information or why they are looking for information about the, the tape or the attempts to, to keep it out from coming out? Well, one of the sources that we talked to uh, said the warrant also referenced an investigation into wire fraud and bank fraud. Uh, CNN previously reported that FBI agents removed uh, Cohen's computer, cell phone, business files, financial documents. Uh, that's according to our sources. And this the search warrant also sought communications between uh, then-candidate Trump and his associates regarding efforts to prevent disclosure of the tape. Uh, that's according to our sources. And so uh, all of this is obviously uh, of great interest to uh, the Mueller uh, team. Now, in, in addition to that, Anderson, investigators wanted records, communications concerning other potential negative information about uh, then-candidate Trump that the campaign uh, would have wanted to contain, obviously, ahead of the election. Uh, Anderson, I remember covering uh, that election, as you know all too well. Uh, this, this was a bombshell. Uh, and the sources that we're talking to uh, said that this warrant was not specific about what this additional information might be. But obviously, the Mueller team wants to get to the bottom of all of this. And when you talk to White House sources, uh, they're, they're obviously not pleased about this. They see this as a continuation of a, of a fishing expedition uh, that is, is not really in line with the original mandate for the Mueller probe. It's why, for example, the president is, not, uh, is, is apparently reevaluating this idea of sitting down uh, with Mueller's investigators. So CNN also has new reporting on, on John Kelly, the chief of staff, and his feelings on what he's seeing in the White House. 
Uh, that's right, Anderson. Uh, our, our White House team is, is reporting that John Kelly was essentially coming into this week hoping that things were going to calm down after some uh, chaotic weeks over here at the White House. That obviously has not been the case. Uh, obviously, uh, the raid on the office of, of Michael Cohen changed much of that. And then, of course, uh, there's, this, 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 there's this decision about whether or not uh, to launch airstrikes on Syria. The president indicated this morning in that tweet uh, which really shocked almost all of Washington that the president would would forecast or telegraph uh, an upcoming missile strike on Syria. But that, that is obviously what he what he did. Now, the White House tried to tamp down on that later on in the day with Sarah uh, Sanders, the White House press secretary, saying uh, that the president is still reviewing all of his options, essentially walking back the president's tweet. But make no mistake, uh, John Kelly was expecting things to be quieter this week. He's not getting that. Anderson. All right, Jim Costa, appreciate that. Seen in a political analyst, Maggie Haberman, broke the story first in the pages of The New York Times. She joins us now. So, Maggie, just explain more of what you learned about, about this raid and the Access Hollywood today. Sure. Uh, specifically on the Access Hollywood piece, uh, it is one of a, of a part of a bunch of categories, essentially, in what has de- been described to me by several sources as a lengthy uh, search warrant. And in terms of the Access Hollywood component, it's looking for um, communications uh, that Cohen may have had, I think, either with the president or just on his own, around the Access Hollywood tape, uh, as well as any other uh, negative information that could have existed uh, about the president, negative news stories, negative publicity around the president. So it's a, it's a pretty broad scope, but gets very specific around Access Hollywood. Um, it's not clear what role, if any, Cohen would have had uh, about Access Hollywood. What we do know is that was the same day the uh, WikiLeaks dump of John Podesta's um, emails, the Hillary Clinton campaign chairman, uh, that had been hacked, uh, went uh, went online and sort of engulfed the, the campaign. Michael Cohen was also one of the only defenders of the president, then candidate, uh, on television when the Access Hollywood tape broke. Uh, but it is the, the piece of this uh, that has had a number of people close to this case uh, very puzzled as to what exactly uh, they are searching for. Maggie, a- after the raid first happened on Monday, your sources were telling you that on Tuesday the president's mood was, and I quote, brooding and fearful. Do you have any insight on how he's handling this latest revelation that the raid was at least in part communications about the Access Hollywood tape? Not happily. Uh, you know, I mean, the Access Hollywood tape, as, as you know, uh, was deeply embarrassing to him, and he is not somebody who gets particularly embarrassed by these things, uh, but he was there. Um, it, it has confirmed all of this, but that corner in particular, as I understand it, has sort of confirmed his belief. Uh, a, both he and Michael Cohen are said to believe that, you know, while this is a Southern District of New York uh, warrant, that this is all sort of um, Robert Mueller's hidden hand. It was, according to Cohen's lawyer, done at least in part on a referral from Mueller. Um, And this sort of confirms what the president had had in his mind. This is how the president sees it, uh, that Mueller has been just out to get him this entire time. Um, This is just uh, evidence of that. There are a lot of people close to the president, also at least one member of Congress on Twitter, saying they can't understand what this would have to do with anything. The topic of Access Hollywood um, infuriates and touches a real nerve for the president, and he is now going to see cable news chirons about it all day today, again tomorrow, uh, it's not going to help. Maggie, you reported yesterday that the president had wanted to fire Mueller back in December. After previously reporting, he'd also wanted to fire him right. back in June, but Don McGahn, the uh, White House counsel, had stopped him or, or threatened to resign. Do you have any indication of, of where he is now on the idea of firing Mueller? 
Uh, everyone I talk to says that he uh, knows that he should not fire Mueller and that is, it is a very, very dangerous proposition. Uh, the question of what happens to Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, comes up more frequently. Uh, but at the moment, that also seems to be something that, that he recognizes would be problematic. But look, he... He is often musing about firing any number of these people, Jeff Sessions, Rod Rosenstein, um, uh, Mueller, you know, the thing, the investigation should be, quote unquote, shut down is something that he has said on a near daily basis uh, for for weeks, if not months. And most of his advisors have come to dismiss these instances as that's just how he talks. Sometimes it has gone further than that. In the, the case that we wrote about from last summer, it certainly did. The case in December, he was extremely angry and had to be talked off of it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's easy to dismiss the idea that he might do any of these things, except there was one time he did pull the trigger, and that was James Comey. Yeah. Um, now, that has not had great uh, results for him, clearly, uh, and, and he might see that, um, but it's why you can't just dismiss this as, that's just him musing. And, and Maggie, on a morning when the president tweeted that Russia should, quote, get ready because missiles will be coming, which Jim uh, Costa mentioned, he also tweeted... Quote, much of the bad blood with Russia is caused by the fake and corrupt Russian investigation headed up by all Democrat loyalists or people that work for Obama. Mueller is most conflicted of all, except Rosenstein, who signed FISA and Comey letter. No collusion. So they go crazy. Um, I mean, just technically speaking, these are not all Democrats. These are, in fact... I believe all Republicans. Right. I, I, uh, all, if not most. Um, it's also, you know, it's it's not all fake. Um, the intelligence uh, committee uh, community believes that uh, Russia was behind um, uh, efforts to influence the 2016 election um, in 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 the hopes of uh, hurting Hillary Clinton and helping Donald Trump. Um, there are many other reasons why there is "quote unquote" bad blood um, uh, that are uh, geopolitical in nature. Um, when the president says something like that, um, you know, it, it is. It is essentially the kind of thing that would only appeal to a couple of people, but among them it's very it's hard for him to, on, one, on the one hand, criticize Russia in the context of Syria, as he did in other tweets, and then say, oh, but this collusion thing is all, is all a fake. Um, the, 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 the person who seems to be suggesting this is all a hoax is, is the leader of the country and the leader of the Republican Party. Um, other people are not. His own party members don't agree with him. Yeah. Um, he see, he just sees himself as interchangeable with the institution he serves, and has been unable to just say that uh, you know, in, a, in a efforts to influence the election in 2016 uh, was an affront to democracy. It's just not something he has been able to. to Which do. is interesting because he said that the raid that happened on Monday was yes. basically an attack on America uh, in very stark terms. Just finally, when, when Hope Hicks left, the White House communications mm -hmm. director, you said in effect that things could get out of control without her there. Do you believe that's what we are seeing here? I, so, I mean, I think that is, I think that's part of it. I think that Hope Hicks was part of a, a group of people, and it was never just one person, but there were a number of people who have worked in concert to try to calm him down. Um, some of them are still in the White House. Uh, some of them left the White House. Hope Hicks is not the only person. Um, and, and that has, uh, I think, delayed him at certain points. They have helped, you know, get him off the ledge when he has talked about, uh, you know, shutting down the investigation or firing this one or that one. Um, so that is part of it. But I got to say, uh, a raid by the FBI on his personal lawyer, I think if there were a thousand Hope Hickses there, I'm not really sure that would calm yeah. him down. Uh, Maggie Haberman, appreciate the reporting. Thank you. Last Thank night, you. the president met with 
Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz was at the White House again today, did not meet with the president. Both meetings were pre-scheduled, according to the professor, regarding the Middle East. He's written at least six books on the Middle East, as well as more recently trumped up how criminalization of political differences endangers democracy. Professor Dershowitz joins us. So does Norma Eisen, who advised President Obama in ethics, uh, on ethics, and before that served as ambassador to the Czech Republic and as a former student, uh, I just learned, of Professor Dershowitz. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of your former students sprinkled all throughout the world. It's and they're amazing. all on the other side <laughs> of me. So, uh, I, first of all, I just got to ask you, uh, did any aspect of the Mueller investigation come up in your dinner with you No, know, I can't describe what went on in my dinner. I had a dinner with the president. I met with many members of his staff. The subject of all the meetings were around the Middle East, but I'm not free to disclose okay. what went on. But let me tell you about the Hollywood Access tape, because I have a theory, and I think it's correct. Remember that the Hollywood Access tape was illegally recorded. It was recorded in California, which is a two-party consent state. But they were wearing microphones. Uh, no, 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 but they didn't know it was on. That but, was but the if question. if you're wearing a microphone, you're telling me... No, uh, not under California law. Really? If you don't know that the mic is on after you've left, if I leave here tonight, New York is a one-party, but if I leave here tonight and go to the bathroom and the microphone stays on and I talk, as remember that happened in, in right. a situation with a, a guy, that murderer, a guy, Durst, whatever his name was. Right. Uh, it's a, at least a question. So I can easily imagine... But during the commercial break, if, you, if that's we were very all talking... Different. He was... Remember, he left. They were leaving. All I'm saying okay. is it's arguable. I can imagine the following conversation. Trump calls his lawyer, Cohen, and says, stop this tape. It's illegal. I didn't consent to it. I didn't know the microphone was on. Stop it. Use all legal means. Now, the government then gets that communication. They put it through a taint team. What do they do? What is a taint team? It sounds so benign. A taint team is other government agents, FBI agents or assistant United States attorneys. They go through the material and they say, ah, this is lawyer-client privilege. There's no exception. Or this is doctor-patient privilege. Or this is priest-penitent privilege. Or this is a conversation between a man and his wife, a spouse. I'm going to read it, but I'm not going to let the prosecution use it. Would any American citizen be happy to have his or her private communications read by an FBI agent on the assurance merely that it wouldn't be used against You're them saying it should be read case? by a judge, not by an FBI agent? First of all, it shouldn't be read by anybody. Wait a minute, but wait, again... So, uh, Ambassador Eisen, I mean, if we're talking hypotheticals here, that's yep. one hypothetical of what the right. president might have said to Michael Cohen. Right. The other, another hypothetical is he calls up Cohen and says, you know what, call our good friends at WikiLeaks, tell them to dump all that stuff that we know they have because this tape just got released. That, I mean, wouldn't, that wouldn't be a crime in either. The, in the that wouldn't of, be a crime either. That's no. the president. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yes, Mr. President. Well, I'm not saying that wouldn't be a crime, but that's another <laughs> hypothetical. You're, you're saying that, that wouldn't be a crime. That wouldn't be a crime. Calling uh, WikiLeaks and saying you've already gotten material, leak but it. But would it wouldn't it be an example of potential uh, coordination. Anderson, you just heard the world's smallest violin playing for Alan's argument. Why? We can have confidence that this seizure of records was reviewed at the Justice Department, at the staff level, then by Rod Rosenstein. Then it was sent over to the U.S. Attorney's Office and reviewed again by the Public Corruption Unit here. It could be that Allen is And a judge right. would have signed it off on the could be, warrant. and you have to get uh, a judicial permission, but the review before the judge made a probable cause finding is much more searching. And uh, whatever it is, it's going to be scrutinized. It's going to be the most scrutinized review in history. But I does, think yeah. there is, yeah. this is why I think 
uh, Alan, this is the flaw in your argument. I think that the prosecution has powerful reasons. We don't know what they are. The timing questions certainly are substantial. But there's something else. There's the history uh, of Trump's paying hush money to women that he allegedly has had relationships Perfectly with. Perfectly legal. And there are allegations that sometimes there have been threats against those women. And that may be what these prosecutors are looking at, a pattern of illegal well, conduct. Well, the bottom line is we don't know, and we know, we've know we just seen the tip of the Let iceberg. Let me tell you what we do know. We do know that the search warrant allowed for the seizure of material that is confidential. In other words, nobody does a preliminary search and says, just seize material that is not covered by the privilege. So we know that they have material that's presumptively covered by the privilege. Then somebody reads that material and says it's covered by the privilege and says, oh, but I won't tell the prosecutor. Let's assume hypothetically that they go and they find privileged material between the president and his lawyer. But it's embarrassing, seriously embarrassing. Do you think anybody believes that the FBI wouldn't leak that material if it's against the president of the United States? Do you think that's a sufficient safeguard to protect the right of every American not to have confidential material looked at by government officials? You've raised the objection that there are other ways they could have gone about... Um, but, At least some of it. Right. But but if they felt if there was concern that this information might be destroyed, yeah. that Michael Cohen might be trying to get rid of information. Isn't there a time essence here? If there was evidence of that. But I don't think there was anything in the warrant that would suggest that there was probable cause to believe that there was immediate well, possibility of destruction. But let me ask all your listeners this question. If Hillary Clinton had been elected president and they were investigating her with a special counsel and they were going after the emails and they were saying she destroyed computer this and that and the other thing and they went in and they raided her lawyer's office, the ACLU would be on this case, the National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers would be on this case, and my former student would well, be on this case. There's hypocrisy on all sides. Democrats would, would be against it. Uh, Republicans would support And now, thank Ambassador God, Eisen- at least some Republicans have now discovered civil liberties. That's Ambassador a good Eisen- thing. Ambassador Eisenhower, I want you to respond Alan, it's just not right. If any president of any party had committed the uh, uh, kinds of conduct that we've seen here, you mean like where you have a let me finish. You interrupted me when I was in your class, and you interrupted me when I was your uh, working in your law practice, and you're doing it now. If any president had done the kinds of things that Donald Trump has done, raising the serious prospect that you may have you may have had obstruction of justice uh, committed in the White House with the pattern around the Comey Mm -hmm. firing, this pattern of very disturbing possible campaign finance violations. Mm -hmm. Did Donald Trump know that? Illegal, possibly illegal contributions were being made to support his campaign. One hundred thirty thousand dollars. Let me finish. Prosecutors. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Um, uh, uh, If any president had done that, I would be here saying that. We got to take a quick break. We're going to continue this discussion. We uh, we we knew it would be good, so we we booked a lot of time for this. Also, later more on the president and Russia, not the alleged campaign collusion, the confrontation, which could heat up in a matter of hours. The big question is Twitter. The right place to send a message to Moscow on uh, military conflict. We'll be right back. 
Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. Talk tonight about the president, the Russia probe, his lawyer Michael Cohen, and the breaking news surrounding the FBI raids on Cohen, executing search warrants against attorneys, exceedingly rare, obviously. And as CNN senior legal analyst Preet Bharara told us last night, it's an extremely ominous development for anybody on the receiving end of one. If I were still the United States attorney, no matter who the president was, and I was being asked to personally approve, as someone had to have been in the Southern District of New York, a search of someone's home uh, and office who was counsel to the president, I would want a lot more than the bare minimum proof of probable cause. And so, so I predict, as we saw with Paul Manafort, that if they decided they had enough evidence to engage in a, you know, a, very, aggressive, a very aggressive move, that the likelihood that Michael Cohen is going to be charged is high. Back now with Professor Alan Dershowitz, Ambassador Norm Eisen. Do you agree with that? that the I think it is, but the question is not the rights of the lawyer. Everybody is entitled to get a search warrant against the lawyer. Lawyers aren't above the law. It's the rights of the client. That is, when you start taking the entire computer, all of the financial records, we know from reporting that it also includes conversations and so how can, a, how can it be done then i mean if you're saying a taint team isn't the way to do it it's not right for fbi agents to be going through this you're saying what a judge should be the one the one if anybody's going to go through it it should be a judge or a neutral monitor appointed by the court so that the least number of people possible the most trusted people actually read the lawyer client material information ambassador Eisen, do you agree with that? well first of all in order to do these attorney client searches, Anderson, uh, the subpoenas need to be very narrowly tailored. So you're not sweeping everything in. I have a different view of the taint teams. Um, uh, uh, You know, I had cases in which uh, the taint teams worked. I also supervised an FBI office uh, when I uh, served as ambassador. And I can tell you that those agents were honorable. I would trust them with my life. And I believe that if they have instructions not to leak, they will not leak. Professor? Boy, and I got a bridge to t- sell you in Brooklyn. Uh, no leaks. Oh, my God. A leak. It sounds like the scene from Casablanca. Uh, leaking is pervasive. The head of the FBI, James Comey, leaked information and laundered it through a Columbia professor. That's the head of the FBI who's supposed to be stopping leaks. What kind of a message does that send you, you, to the FBI? What it says is leaking is okay. Leaking is pervasive you, in this government. You have said that uh, it would be a mistake for the president to fire Mueller. What about Rod Rosenstein? Rod Rosenstein should be recused. He cannot be both a witness and a prosecutor in the same case. He's a witness because he was involved in the Comey firing. Involved? Right, he wrote, wrote the, the memo. If you're Trump's lawyer, the first person you call as a witness is Ron Rosenstein. You wrote the memo. 
Did you obstruct justice? Did you think this was an obstruction of justice? Would it be a mistake, in your opinion, though, for the president to replace Rod Rosenstein with somebody who was going to try to basically get rid of Mueller? Well, that's a tactical decision. I don't think Rosenstein, whoever replaced him, would try to get rid of Mueller. But I think Rosenstein's own status in the case raises very deep questions. Let's assume he doesn't get recused and he then testifies. His lawyers will then come back and say, if he's now recused because he's testified, we have to go back and see if he tainted anything else early on in the case. It's a mistake for the government to keep Ron Rosenstein on the case. By the way, I want to take the opportunity to uh, apologize to Norm. As you know, when you were my student, when I interrupted a student, it was the highest praise. It was a statement saying, I get your point. Now let's move on. So whenever I interrupt you, it's praise. Now I'm going to interrupt you and praise you by disagreeing. First of all, it's not a tactical question when we're talking about the firing of Rod Rosenstein or Robert Mueller. I don't want to fire him. It's a profound, but it's not a tactical question. It's the most profound attack on our rule of law, what the president does every day. Number two, it is not correct, Alan. Uh, I've done these government conflicts, including sitting in the White House. It is not correct that a prosecutor needs to be recused at this stage of the case because he's a possible witness. You tell me one time in the thousands of cases that you have done when you have knocked out a prosecutor pre-trial before even an indictment of the subject or target. Name one example. First of all, you want to ask yourself, if you're a lawyer, whether it's tactically advisable to do so. But you're actually looking in this camera and telling me it is okay for the same person to be investigating, prosecuting the case when he knows he's going to be the central witness in the case itself. Does that really pass the smell test? Quick answer, and then we got to go. Uh, he, we do not yet know he's going to be the we central witness. We do not know it. And the rules, there are rules on this, and the rules do not require it. Well, cool. This is more presidential mischief being recycled out of your dinner. The Professor. rules require common sense, and common sense says you cannot <laughs> prosecute and you cannot be a witness in the same case. Professor Dershowitz, uh, former student, Ambassador Norm Eisen, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, just ahead, the action on Capitol Hill today to try and limit President Trump's ability to fire special counsel Robert Mueller talked to one of the sponsors of a bill that would do just that. Democratic Senator Cory Booker next. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com slash CNN. Well, with President Trump reportedly fuming over the raids and his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, and a report that the president discussed firing special counsel Robert Mueller this past December, now a bipartisan group of senators are working together to try to protect Mueller and any future special counsel. Today, they rolled out a new consolidated version of some earlier proposed legislation that would do just that. The Special Counsel Independence and Integrity Act, as it's called, would ensure that Mueller or any special counsel can only be fired by, quote, good cause by a senior Justice Department official. It would also require a 10-day window to seek expedited judicial review of a firing. Democratic Senator Cory Booker is one of the sponsors of the bill. I talked to him earlier tonight. Senator Booker, I'm wondering why you and your your fellow senators decided to introduce legislation today. Uh, Obviously, you've got to believe there's urgency to protect the special counsel Mueller right now. Well, first of all, I want to make clear, I introduced this legislation with Lindsey Graham last year. Um, We had a hearing about this uh, legislation already. Um, So there's been a lot of movement on the legislation. But yes, you're right, Anderson. There is there seems to be a renewed sense of urgency and vigor to move this forward. And uh, I'm hopeful that we are going to get this uh, into our committee and out of our committee 
uh, and, and God willing, perhaps uh, even to the Senate floor for a vote. We obviously learned today that during the FBI raid on, on Michael Cohen's home and the office, the hotel, the FBI saw communications between then candidate Trump and Cohen about that Access Hollywood tape. I'm wondering what you make of that. And does the president's reaction to that raid add to, to the concerns about uh, Mueller? Yeah, well, we, first of all, we have a constitutional crisis in the making, should we ever have, between now and in the future in history, have a president who he himself or his associates are under investigation. In this case, we've seen his associates be indicted, um, uh, have still retained the power to, without good cause, to fire or order the firing of a special counsel. And if we can't figure out a way to check that power, have an appropriate check and balance, we could really make for a serious constitutional crisis. So there's a lot going on with this investigation. I'm one of those folks that uh, just thinks let, let Mueller do his work. I know there's a lot of speculation, but I think that you see a, a progression of work and a thorough investigation going on. Uh, but I just want to make sure I think that we in Congress, I'm, I'm grateful that there's uh, Republicans who are a very prudent, sensible, sobered piece of legislation understand that we should just make sure uh, that we avoid uh, uh, what we saw in the past, which was a, a, a Saturday night massacre type situation. Well, I mean, you do have Republican co-sponsors on the bill, but CNN is reporting that most Republicans oppose it, including Mitch McConnell, uh, also the majority whip, John Cornyn, um, uh, to say nothing, obviously, about even if it did pass, the likelihood of the president actually signing. Yeah, but, you know, we're seeing circumstances change daily. I think that one of the reasons why this bill is getting some momentum now and potentially will get uh, a markup in, in, in the Judiciary Committee uh, is because you're starting to see a president say things that are not only um, uh, uh, sort of threatening the process, uh, but uh, seemingly uh, potentially recklessly pushing us uh, towards a constitutional crisis, which is something that Republicans and Democrats want to avoid. If the president did fire, uh, say, the deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, would that, um, in your opinion, constitute a, a constitutional crisis? I think if he fired uh, uh, Rosenstein, uh, you have heard the words of Republicans themselves uh, say very dramatic things about what that would mean for Donald Trump's presidency. Um, but again, if he fired Rosenstein and installed somebody who could then order to fire Mueller, when you've seen what's going on, you've seen indictments, uh, you, see, you saw one uh, person being sentenced who pled guilty, uh, for him to in interrupt an investigation like that, um, I think that you would bring about a, a moment in our country uh, where you would really have a, a crisis in our nation. This tweet by the president this morning saying that, that much of the bad blood with Russia is caused by what he said is the fake and corrupt Russia investigation headed by Democrat uh, loyalists. Does that make any sense to you at all? I mean, the idea that, first of all, the majority of people here we're talking about are Republicans. Yeah, I, th I mean, this is a this is the thing that really frustrates me is, you know, we've seen uh, an investigation led by a Republican uh, around an issue that we all have to keep reminding ourselves, I hope, uh, that this is something about the safety, the security and the strength of our democracy. Our Eastern European allies, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Ukraine, all understand, uh, as well as other European nations, that we are under a hybrid war by Russia. When Putin is not met by power, when he's not shown American force pushing him back, he will only be emboldened in what he's trying to do to our democracy. And it's not just our election systems. It's critical infrastructure. We are in a cyber contest uh, with the Russians who are on an onslaught. And to have a president of the United States not appreciate this, not recognize the danger and the threat, 
and be doing things that are, at the very least, uh, uh, trying to create an atmosphere where, that undermines an, invest, an ongoing investigation. Um, this is very problematic, and I think it's, uh, in many ways, uh, this is uh, malpractice on a president who should first concern uh, should be protecting the American people. Senator Booker, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Well, coming up next, more on the Stormy Daniels documents that FBI agents were seeking in the raid on the president's personal attorney. And now we're learning the warrant also included documents related to the Access Hollywood tape. Stormy Daniels' attorney joins us next. I'm Andy Katz from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, just being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As we reported, as first reported by the New York Times, the infamous Access Hollywood tape continues to loom over Washington, this time in the form of the raid on the president's personal attorney. Sources telling CNN that FBI agents who raided Michael Cohen's home, office and hotel were looking in part for communications between him and the president about the tape, which came out about a month before the election and shows the now president bragging, obviously, about sexual assault. The tape does. The warrant also included documents related to the $130,000 payoff to Stormy Daniels. Her attorney, Michael Avenatti, joins me now. Um, obviously, I mean, you don't have any inside knowledge on this Access Hollywood tape if, in fact, this is part of the warrant, as, as reported by us in the, in the New York Times. But just in general, the what do you, I mean, now that it's been two days since this raid, how do you see this raid? Obviously, it's bad news for Michael Cohen, but what do you, to you, what stands out about it? Anderson, I think this entire raid is centered on this $130,000 payment and what the president knew and when he knew it uh, and what Michael Cohen did in connection with the $130,000 payment. Uh, you as, think that's front and center? I, I absolutely. I, look, I can't get into the details, but I know it's front and center. And um, I think it's, it's going to be a very clean case, ultimately. Uh, and it's going to be far easier to prove than Russian collusion. But if the president did know about it, what, what is the, what's the crime there? Well, first of all, I, I think it's highly unlikely that he did not know about it. You know, a lot of people have said that if the president did not arrange reimbursement, then he's, you know, basically uh, scot-free, that there's no issues. I completely disagree. If it can be shown that the president knew that Michael Cohen paid this money and that he conspired with Michael Cohen or agreed with Michael Cohen that it was going to be paid in such a way to not report it pursuant to campaign finance requirements, that would be a felony. That would be a conspiracy potentially. Because a lot of people have pointed to the idea that this was all about campaign finance and saying, well, look, that's not such a big deal. You say it's a felony. I mean, so that you're saying it is a big deal. No, there's no quite there's no question a big it's a big deal. I've seen panelists on various news programs over the last 48 hours say, oh, you know, these campaign finance uh, requirements, big deal. I mean, we're talking about felonies. But oftentimes campaign finance violations are just referred to uh, or basically ended up being a fine. Al Capone did not go down for murder. Anderson Al Capone went down for tax evasion. And this could very easily be a very similar situation. These campaign finance violations, if they occurred, I believe they did. If they occurred, they are easily proven. It would only require potentially Michael Cohen rolling over on the president. And this is something I've been saying for a couple weeks now. 
Um, I think that that is the target of these raids. That's the target of this investigation. I don't know what to make of this Access Hollywood tape. To the best of my knowledge, there's been no reporting that suggests or no facts to suggest that that there was any change of money or or any money in connection with this Access Hollywood tape. The only focus as it relates to the Access Hollywood tape could be, you know, acts of thuggery, acts of intimidation. To the extent that Michael Cohen knew about this or the president knew about it and they attempted to strong arm or intimidate people to keep that from coming to light. That's really the only aspect relating to the Access Hollywood tape. A couple of days ago, you talked about uh, releasing a, um, uh, a, I don't know, what, what do you call it, an identification by Stormy Daniels that you had a sketch artist do of this, uh, the, of the person that she says uh, threatened her in 2011 in a parking lot in Las Vegas. You intimated the other day that, that you weren't going to do that given the raid and things had changed. Where, where are you on that now? Well, as you know, when you interviewed her for 60 Minutes, she described in detail this very serious threat um, back in 2011. Subsequent to that, my client sat down with Lois Gibson, who's a, a foremost forensic artist in the world. Uh, it, a forensic sketch was produced. We were on the verge of, re- of releasing that together with details concerning a reward. Um, we were asked to delay that. Uh, this is a very dynamic situation. Can you say who you asked by? I, I'm not uh, at liberty to discuss that, but what I will say is this is a very dynamic situation. A lot has happened in the last 48 hours. And, Anderson, I will tell you, um, th- these raids that occurred on Monday, they're not the last raids. I know that for a fact. There are other raids that are contemplated. Um, I anticipate them coming in, in the, uh, within the next week. You say you know that for a fact. Uh, I mean, the only way you would know that for a fact, I know you said that you had been contacted and Stormy Daniels is cooperating with, uh, uh, with officials from the Mueller investigation. Are you saying you have learned that from people you have... I'm not, I'm not going to get into details as to where I've learned that, but look, I think our track record over the last five weeks relating to what I've predicted, what we've predicted, is, um, is pretty damn good, and uh, I, I stand behind it. So you're saying more raids to come? I, I think we have only scratched the surface. Uh, I have the utmost confidence in the U.S. attorneys in the Southern District of New York office. They're the best and the brightest in the nation. They're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to cooperate in connection with that, but there's a lot of information that's going to come down uh, come come down the pike, if you will. And I will tell you this. If I was the president, I would not be sleeping well at night. Michael Avenatti, thanks for being with us. Appreciate Thank it. You. Coming up, a closer look at the president's Twitter warning saying, get ready, Russia, because, quote, nice new smart missiles are coming to Syria, what the White House said when asked for clarification next. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes analyst, Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Reports, the full 48. For me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. As we reported earlier in the program, the president has threatened military action on Twitter in response to the aftermath of the suspected chemical attack in Syria. The president tweeted this early uh, this morning, quote, Russia vows to shoot down any and all missiles fired at Syria. Get ready, Russia, because they will be coming nice and new and smart. You shouldn't be partners with a gas-killing animal who kills his people and enjoys it. At the White House briefing today, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders was asked about what that tweet means. We're maintaining that we have a number of options, and all of those options are still on the table. Final decisions uh, haven't been made yet on that front. So does it mean anything at all 
What does it mean? It certainly means uh, I think there's a lot there that you can read from, but at the same time, the president has a number of options uh, at his disposal, and all of those options remain on the table, and we're continuing to look at each one of them. All options may be on the table, but the tweet said missiles, quote, will be coming, which certainly qualifies as telegraphing military action, something that Mr. Trump criticized President Obama for repeatedly and something both Sarah Sanders and the president have said over and over and over and over he would never, ever, ever do. I don't want to tell the enemy how I am thinking. Does that make sense? Surprise. Remember, they used to call it the element of surprise. I keep saying, whatever happened to the element of surprise? You know, I've been saying the element of surprise. We're too predictable. We need to be unpredictable. We have to be unpredictable. We want to be unpredictable, folks. We want to be unpredictable. We have a president that gets up and he said, we will attack them here. We're going to leave here. We're going to leave that. This guy gets up and tells everything we're ever going to do. Why can't he just keep his mouth shut? Why would he announce this? We have to be unpredictable, folks. I'm not going to tell you anything about what response I do. I don't talk about military response. I don't want to be one of these guys that say, yes, uh, here's what we're going to do. I don't have to do that. You know why? Because they shouldn't know. They shouldn't know. He's not going to talk about it. Joining us now, Fried Zakaria, host of CNN's Fried Zakaria, GPS and CNN National Security Commentator, former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Rogers. Fried, uh, I mean, again, we just saw the president time and time again saying, not going to telegraph. The only, I mean, he is surprising people in that he's surprising the White House staff by sending out this tweet, it seems. You know, the thing that you're struck by about about Trump is that he seems uh, often surprised to face the constraints and challenges that every president has faced, because I think he hasn't thought about it. The reason that Barack Obama or George Bush or Bill Clinton faced this problem was you're, you're leading the world. Something happens. People expect to hear from the American president. They want to understand what is your reaction to it. And in giving your reaction, you are rallying the troops, the entire free world, you're telling the, the country, this is a democratic country, so you do have to kind of let people in on what your reaction, what your strategy is. That's why it's not because people are so stupid that they haven't thought about the fact, oh, there would be, it would be an element of surprise. You know, you, you have to balance this. And I think what's happening in a, in a strange way is Trump realizes the world is looking at him and is wondering what he's saying. And so I don't fault him for having, you know, you have to signal in some way. Are you going to respond to this, react to this? Is that the mistake, of course, was all that criticism that he was heaping, piling on Barack Obama, which really misunderstood the nature of the presidency. Mm. Of course, the president has to have some reaction when these things happen. Now, he could have had a, frankly, he could have had a more guarded reaction, the kind that Obama or Bush would have had, which gives you more options. As you pointed out, Anderson, he actually, whatever his, his press secretary says, he doesn't have any option at this point. He has said he's right. going to respond. Right, and with smart weapons. Chairman uh, Rogers, Defense Secretary Mattis said today that the U.S. and key allies are still working on options and, and to respond and, and have not even definitively concluded who is behind the attacks. How risky is it then for the president to make a statement like that, or was it the right thing for him to do? No, listen, I, I was with Trump when he said we should telegraph what we're doing tactically, and uh, he, he certainly didn't do that in his tweet. And what I also found a little disturbing, this is why you don't have this kind of diplomacy over a short character tweet, is that the Russians could certainly misinterpret this. It, he deliberately poked the Russians in what we think was an Assad regime attack using chemical weapons. You know, why would you enrage the Russians? The best way to do that, if you really want to poke them, is have the attack, 
take care of their uh, ability to deliver nuclear, or excuse me, chemical weapons, uh, and, and, and then come out and say, hey, the Russians need to clean up their act. They should not be supporting these folks. And now what's happened is you see that uh, anti-air units are being deployed. Units are being moved around Syria. Ships have deployed. The Russian ships have deployed out of Tardis, a Russian-controlled port in Syria. Uh, and the reason they're doing that is they believe if you're going to fire missiles, you have to do it from the Med, and they're going to have ships out there uh, to try to deal with that. None of that is good. I mean, some of that where they were going to do anyway, but this heightened poke you in the chest just doesn't help and may have, in fact, taken away an avenue of which the president could have dealt with this issue. You know, the, the striking thing listening to Mike uh, is there's so much kind of bizarre, uh, bizarre incompetence in the Trump White House. Uh, sometimes, you know, things go wrong. Government is very hard. National security is very hard. But so many of these cases, it is obvious that this is not what you want to do because you create more problems for yourself than yourself. So you look at the steel tariffs with China. They decide to go on, you know, with steel tariffs and then surprise, surprise, we actually import most of our, our steel from Canada and Mexico and South Korea and Germany. So then you have to provide exceptions to all those countries. Or just to, you know, think about what, what Mike just said. This is all predictable. If somebody just had a National Security Council meeting mm. and had this five or six people around saying, okay, if we were to do this, what would likely happen? Would this, these are the things. So then you don't do that. Or th 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 it seems as though nobody in the Trump White House does any scenario planning before they announce something or before the president tweets something. Chairman Roger, I mean, White House spokesman uh, Sarah Sanders kind of danced around the president's comments saying that just because the president laid out one option doesn't mean he's looking uh, or not looking at other options, including diplomacy. But to Reid's point, does there need to be a clear strategy communicated in any type of reaction? Oh, completely. And, and if this were part of some grand strategy that maybe those of us who are in the, used to do a lot of the national security work don't understand, that's great, but you need to articulate it or at least demonstrate it. And when you have the, the Secretary of Defense who's in a different position saying, well, wait a minute, we haven't even worked out the issues with our allies yet. And by the way, if you're going to be successful at this, you have to have our allies engaged in whatever decision. Even if the president decided, I am going to fire Tomahawk missiles and take out your ability to deliver a chemical weapon, either by air or, or by machinery or by runway, yeah. all of those things could be options. Now that seems a bit muddled, and you've gotten ahead of the negotiations with your allies. I will tell you, that will honk them off. Uh, that's a technical uh, diplomatic term, uh, Anderson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it will happen. They're, they're not going to be happy about this because they want to get it right. They want to be able to tell their people why this is important and why we need to thwart the use of chemical weapons. I just think it takes away options. It doesn't help you build allies and put more options yeah. on the table. Chairman Rogers, Fried Zakaria, thanks very much. Coming up, new details about the raid on the president's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen's office, hotel room, and home, and how the infamous Access Hollywood tape is now playing into the investigation. Also, new reporting on a plan to cripple the Russia probe and the return of Steve Bannon. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry.
Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.